0: Welcome back, mighty Vandals, to Tubs of the Club, brought to you by Snake River Stampede Whiskey, but we'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show. We are the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Yes, we're talking Idaho Vandals, baby. I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined, as mostly always, by producer Martin.
1: It's great to be back, and it's always nice to be talking Vandal football again.
0: Hell yeah, it is, Martin. As always, mostly, always, like mostly, mostly, always, co-hosting, it's the professor, Brian Marceau.
1: Doing as well as a duster over my left shoulder, dude. But look, before, before we talk, look, it's spoiler alert, Cal Poly's terrible, guys. So it's, I'm going to struggle to contain my enthusiasm. We want to put off talking about Cal Poly for a second. Dallas, you missed the post game, But last week, Idaho beats Eastern Washington
0: 44-36. Give us your takes. I mean, the first take I have is that was you guys in if anybody hasn't listened to the instant reaction show, uh really good to go take a listen to that. But Brian and Tree called it out. This was very much like the Zach Boris game from two years ago. Obviously, Idaho was on the other end of it, but you look back at the just the stats of the game here and Eastern averaged about four yards of carry on the ground when you take out the the running quarterbacks, just Limiting it down to Alta here in Jackson, they averaged about four yards a carry. That was kind of nice to see in what was obviously a really weird game. I thought Idaho limited the ball well when it was an expected carry by a running back. And then, honestly, I thought I was blown away by the offensive line, guys. That We've talked just about every week about the one of the weaknesses of Idaho. Again, we're talking about the number three team in the nation right now. So this is weaknesses with a bunch of asterisks around it. We talked about the offensive line not being maybe the as deep or as strong as Idaho would want for a, a long shot through the postseason. 363 yards on the ground. Obviously, Anthony Woods having a career day. Nick Romano also having a great day. 49 carries, 363 yards, averaged 7.5 yards on the ground per carry. I was blown away by the improvement the offensive line has made. I mean, again, that's the second straight week that we've talked about. The offensive line looks better than they did the week before and honestly I couldn't be more thrilled with how Idaho got through that game it's a crazy game yes you'd you'd like to beat Eastern without Keiko of Vesperis and and absolutely just pummel them but come on they came out with again the Zach Borish game you can't prepare for that when you have no idea that it's going to happen it caught Idaho off guard obviously in the first half second half uh Honestly, took a huge advantage of that really stupid penalty uh, that Eastern committed there in the fourth quarter. But all in all, thrilled to see that Idaho got out of that trap game.
1: With that, Dallas, uh, I think Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey would say it's time
0: to start the show. I think you're right, Brian. That means we are going to move forward. I can't even drum up any excitement for this, Brian Idaho taking on Cal poly this weekend. Uh head coach, Paul Wolf taking over first season in charge after Bo Baldwin left for the offensive coordinator job at Arizona state. Brian, what do we know about Cal poly? Other Okay. I, I can't, it's hard for me to contain
1: this. If you listen to the power rankings episode I did on Sunday, I talked about Cal poly for like two minutes, Cal, like, Cal Poly is just not very good. They they're coached by Paul Wolf. Wait, hey, Paul Wolf has been a good FCS coach. But look 2022. Cal Poly goes 2 and 9, 1 and 7 in one seven in Big Sky play. They beat Pioneer League San Diego 28-27, then they then they beat top 5 Portland State the final week of the season 49-42. Fast forward this year Cal Poly sits at 2 and 3, but it's an absolute bullshit 2 and 3. Their two wins include wins over San Diego, who San Diego is not as good this year as they were last year, and San Diego is terrible. The San Diego's one and four, including a D2 loss. Uh, Cal Poly also beat Lincoln. That is some level of sub-D2, which we don't care to learn about. <clears throat> and Cal Poly, look, they won the game 41-20, but they trailed 20 to 7 in the first half. Otherwise, the Mustangs have gotten their ass kicked every single loss, losing 59 to 3 at San Jose State. No. Yeah. Yeah. Then losing 59 to 21 at Portland state. Good Lord. Two games. We're almost giving up 60 points. then last week was their closest D one game losing 31, 13 to UC Davis, but the Mustangs trailed heading into the fourth quarter, 31 to seven. So they haven't had a single competitive game against anyone who is not a catastrophe, uh, which is rough for first year head coach, Paul Wolf taking over. He took over at Cal Poly this year when Bo Baldwin left It's the third, kind of the third-ish season that Cal Poly has been transitioning from a triple option to spread offense. I say third-ish, depending on how you choose to count the COVID year, that Cal Poly quit after two games. But uh, previously, Wolf, look, Paul Wolf, to me, is maybe the most interesting story of Cal Poly, just the fact of him being a head coach there at Dallas, Uh, because he, prior to heading over to Cal Poly, he was, Head coach at Eastern Washington from 2000 to 2007, that's eight, eight years, went 53 and 40, made the playoffs three of those eight seasons, including a quarterfinal finish in 04, one big guy of the year in 2004, 2005. Parlayed that performance into head coaching stint at Washington State and in, in four seasons from 08 to 2011, went nine and 40 overall, including four and 32 in conference. Now after getting fired at Washington State he he coached like 6000 different jobs in between now in, in between 11 and getting hired at Cal Poly so just the fact of paul wolf previously having positive stints elsewhere or you know doing well enough to be regarded high enough to get a power 5 job is interesting but again that's that's paul wolf the guy is interesting cal poly itself look at will you'll, you'll go more in depth into some other fa- facets dallas but the fact of what Cal Poly is right now in year three or four of a rebuild is why you're hearing the uh, kind of, dis- I don't know if disgust is the right term, but I it's very hard to take Cal Poly seriously, Dallas. Maybe you can help us by going over specifics of what they actually play.
0: Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot here, guys. Uh, we talked about Lamar a lot in the same way in the first game of the season of hey, looking at backups playing and looking at like, what does this mean for Idaho? Because this is a cakewalk. This game might even be worse than that. This is this this is really in contention for the worst team Idaho is going to play this season. And unfortunately, it, there's just not a lot of talent on this squad. Uh, you look at the uh, the awards. They did have one uh, player named to the All Preseason Big Sky list. David Mayer. He's a redshirt junior uh, linebacker. He was also all big sky last year, third teamer. Uh, then they had last year Josh Cuevas, who was their tight end, one of their best weapons. He ended up at UW. He's only had three catches there, but he's had a 150 yards in the touchdown. He seems to be the like the big play tight end if such a thing exists. But you get down to, to actually what Cal Poly does. Brian, there there are names at Cal Poly, uh, starting with quarterback Sam Heward. Again, we spoke about this a little bit in the in the last few shows. He's a transfer from again Washington. Five-star, one of the highest recruits, honestly, in recent memory, to be playing in the big sky. Hasn't been great so far. 61% of his passes, 862 yards, uh, eight, t- eight touchdowns and three interceptions, which, again, the numbers look okay, but when you get down to it, you're talking about he's putting up some of these numbers and it's it's complete garbage he, time because... He,
1: well, he also, take away six of those touchdowns that came against Lincoln. Against D1 teams, two touchdowns, three picks.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that, again, for a, a school that is somewhat, somewhere below D2, I just went to Lincoln's university or Lincoln University's football page, guys. Their schedule doesn't even have links on it. You go, you click schedule and it just pulls up like a PDF image of the games that they play. There's, they are so far removed from legitimate football that, yeah, Brian, it's not great. Sam Heward was, was, Injured last week, didn't play against UC Davis in a game that they also they lost, but to their credit, Brian, 31-13, best loss of the season so far. Uh, Martin, for anybody who's watching, Martin just threw up the, again, the Lincoln University schedule is just an image. There's no links to, like, the box score. There's no links to anything. This is this is how far removed we are from, from major or even semi-major college football. If Sam Heward can't go this weekend, which no one is – going to find out until I think snap because on the depth chart, Sam Heward still listed as number one, like he was against Cal Poly in this week's preview notes. Cal Poly actually points out Sam Heward in the stats he has as well as red shirt freshman Bo Kelly, who started last weekend again, instead of Heward for the injury, Bo Kelly completing 55% of his passes this year, 318 yards and two touchdowns. Brian, what do you think about Cal Poly depending on their quarterback? Is that, is that going to make a difference at all? this weekend
1: i mean it it makes a difference on the out on the margins as in i think everyone can tell that if idaho does idaho is going to win this game and if idaho somehow does not win this game it's it's because of just catastrophic errors on idaho's part so to that extent sam Heward if he's if he's clicking he he is a talented guy he has a very strong arm he can I've I've had I've made the mistake of watching some Cal Poly football this year and Sam Heward, if you watch he will make some throws that are impressive he makes some throws that Bo Kelly cannot the issue with Sam Heward and why he's at Cal Poly is the guy you can tell he's and I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm putting the dude down so I apologize in advance guys he comes across as a head case not because of antics on the sideline or anything but the moment Sam Heward makes his first mistake he, you're going to see at the start of the game, he might look pretty sharp, like against uh, Portland State. When he went down, he complete, he completed four of his first five passes. Well, he throws a terrible pick against Portland State, does not, and he completes one of seven passes following. So when Hubert makes his first mistake, everything just crumbles, and you know mistake two, three, four, five, and six are right around the corner. Add to that, Dallas, Cal Poly has a terrible line, and Sam Heward is not mobile. Bo Kelly is not particularly mobile either. So the, one of the other issues that Sam Heward has is the offense, the inability of the offensive line to keep defenses away from him is going to push him towards mistakes and his mistakes compound and cascade. So do I think it matters who starts? Yes, because Sam Heward can, can make plays and if he can avoid that first mistake for as long as possible, that's his chance to keep Cal Poly in the game. Because Cal Poly is not going to run on Idaho. They can't run on anyone. On the year, Cal Poly is averaging two and a half yards a carry and 68.8 yards per game. No, I'm not rounding that up for them. but it, And that counts. Remember, we went over two of their three games have been against a terrible San Diego team and Lincoln. So with 40% of their games against teams, Idaho would rush for 7,000 yards against Cal Poly is the worst rushing team in the big sky. They can run against absolutely no one. So their recipe for success is they have to beat teams through the air. And then their issue is Bo Kelly's not that good if he's starting and or Sam Heward, he's going to have his mistakes cascade and the line can't protect him. So long, super long answered the question, Dallas. Yes, it kind of matters, but at like the 1% low likelihood probability option margin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It... <laughs> Brian, just looking at their offensive line, you can say yes, they're very experienced. They have uh, every single one of the guys has started at least half a season in the last two years, and then started virtually every game this year. So every guy should be into double digit starts at this point. They only have two starters out of three hundred pounders or or, or more. Uh, and then other than that, you're looking at tackles that are like 6'4", 280. Those are not necessarily the kind of guys that are going to strike fear into someone like Keyshawn James, newbie on the edge. Just not, not kind of, not not what you're expecting to see at an FCS level, much less in the big sky. It's pretty tough to compete when you have that as your offensive line. It's a very strange change from the triple option that we saw a handful of years ago. Uh, Kevin Ridenauer in the comment section saying the opening line is minus 27 and a half. Guys, I, I, I I don't think Cal Poly can cover that. To to contextualize the line further
1: on the year. Cal Poly has fewer rushing touchdowns than Anthony Woods alone picked up against Eastern. So that that's five last week for woods. Cal Poly has four rushing touchdowns on the year. They can, they can rush against no one. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, guys, they, Troy Fletcher is the running back. That's going to start. He's got 106 yards and two touchdowns on the year. They have, a they have two other guys, each over hundred yards with a touchdown, uh, Aiden Ramos and Mark Biggins. But honestly, it doesn't matter who they're going to trot out there. Their offensive line is just not going to have the push that you'd expect. Now, I will say this could be the game, hey, it's number three, you know, biggest opponent of the year, even though I think, again, uh, Ron Lowney in the comment section saying that Cal Poly plays Montana State next weekend. So maybe you're trying to gear up for two of the three best teams in the FCS, and maybe they come out swinging here, but Brian, I am not seeing a lot on this offense that is that is particularly scary. Uh their top receiver, he's actually he's listed as the starter at tight end. He is listed as receiver on the roster. Uh Tyrese Fairley diam 17 receptions, 232 yards and two touchdowns. He's solid, if not spectacular. And then you look at the rest of the offense and they just they don't have the numbers that scream production. You obviously see it on tape, you see it on the schedule. This is just not a team that scares a lot of people offensively.
1: Yeah, I'm, the reason you guys are hearing this gap in time is because I'm trying to see which, how, what is the ranking of the highest-rated Cal Poly running back compared to the rest of the Big Sky? And if you use uh, season stats, it's number 28, which is below Giovanni McCoy, who rushes almost exclusively, opportunistically. So, and look, the reason I'm hitting the the offense as being an issue for Cal Poly. Is because Cal Poly can't stop anyone defensively whatsoever. The only way Cal Poly is going to win games is if it's higher scoring, and somehow they can avoid turnovers. Which I mean, hey, maybe that's the point for Idaho. We can talk about is today would be it'd, be. it'd be nice if this Saturday Idaho can pick up some of those turnovers in conference play they haven't had. I've been looking at defensive stats on the year on the year for Cal Poly, it's weird to look at them and think and understand that they're much worse in reality than on paper, but uh, on the season, Cal Poly, their defense ranks last in points allowed per game. They're giving up 45 points per game. Again, keep in mind those two, 40% of their games are against dumpster fires. The individual passing and rushing ranks are not as bad as you might guess, but the, well, Cal Poly has the second worst rushing defense overall. Passing numbers are not quite as bad as you'd guess, but that's because teams are killing cal poly so frequently that there's no need to throw the ball in the second half. And cal poly also turns the ball over quite a bit, so they're forfeiting they forfeit pretty good field position often. So defensively, and I, I'm not trying to be dismissive, guys. I've wasted time watching Cal Poly. Their front seven is if it's not the worst in the big sky. It's the second worst and I I truly don't know who could possibly be worse than front seven, but then their secondary is not strong either. So the route for Cal Poly to try to be competitive against Idaho is they're going to have to score a lot and they're going to have to hope Idaho has their absolute worst effort uh, penalty wise and turnover wise. Otherwise the only way, only ways we can discuss the game here are by how much do we think Idaho is going to win? And look, those things can go right for Cal Poly too, and still Idaho would pro- should probably be expected to win talent wise.
0: Yeah, guys, there's just some some numbers here. Uh, there are almost thirty guys on their team that have five tackles or more this season. There are only about eleven guys with ten tackles or more. Honestly, trying to look at the stats here and look at guys to call out as as folks to be paying attention to. It really comes down to, yes, David Mayer was an all-big-sky guy. He's just the tackling machine. And then you have Elijah Ponder on the edge who has three sacks and three tackles for loss. Other than that, they rotate out so many guys. There's nobody that stands out, obviously, when you watch them because, again, they're they're getting blown out by teams. It was 45-7 to seven, uh, when Portland State really took the gas off and allowed – Cal Poly to put up a couple garbage time touchdowns that like this is just not a team that has a whole lot going for them they rotate out a ton of guys probably because there's just not a lot of talent here if you're trying to coach out a a victory or two when you know that you go into every game completely outmanned rotating a squad that's very deep but not particularly deviant between the high and the low of the talent yeah Brian opening the eyes on that one uh guys there's just there's not a lot to talk about here Cal Poly is really bad and Idaho is really good they do have a a 4-3 that they do alternate a little bit uh sort of like an NFL defense where yes it can be 4-3 at the base but you will see different packages with four linebackers or sometimes three linemen three linebackers and extra DBs it's going to change a little bit but it's not going to change the fact that Brian's Duster is listed as the second middle linebacker on the depth chart, according to Nate Meek. Cal Poly has been outscored
1: in 12 D1 quarters, 149 to 34. Enough said, Brian. So before we hit the Idaho end, I I have to talk about Snake River, which is far more interesting than Cal Poly football once you realize what Sam Huard is. Snake River Stampede, Canadian whiskey, two options, guys one you get snake river stampede 25.95 for a fifth 45.95 for a handle if you want to get the you want to spend a couple extra bucks for a special occasion get the snake river stampede 1915 small batch it's 38.95 in idaho state liquor stores it's been aged a couple extra years difference between the two other than the difference in aging is that the snake river stampede it's double barrel finish is in Firstville bourbon and then Oloroso sherry casks. The 1915 small batch is Firstville bourbon and then ex-Canadian whiskey casks. You can't go wrong either way. If you haven't given Snake River a shot, get it. You'll need some for the Cal Poly game, guys. Give Snake River a shot this weekend.
0: So, Brian, again, we've talked about really everything that we can about Cal Poly. There's just not a lot on that side of the ball to really gauge any, any interest with. So for you, going into this knowing, again, we make the jokes. like the, the game has to be played, and crazier things have certainly happened. But we make the jokes about this being an unofficial bye week for Idaho. What, what are you looking for for Idaho to accomplish in this game?
1: This, this could be a game where Giovanni McCoy didn't even take a snap. and He's obviously going to. But Idaho could run at every play if they want to against Cal Poly and they'll be fine. I that's typically kind of like the moron hack thing, like someone who's half drunk says in the middle of the football game. No, I mean it, Idaho could probably run exact could run every single play against Cal Poly and be fine. They could also pass every single play against Cal Poly and be fine. But because we we have all watched games Jason Eck and Luke Schleisner call. I'd expect this is gonna be a handful of longer longest drives in the first half, and Idaho shoots for a comfortable margin. Uh, Anthony Woods is going to be able to pad his stats to whatever extent he can. I hope that Anthony Woods is done playing by the time we get to the second half. But I guess maybe an asterisk you throw in. Dallas is – maybe this is also a week where Jason Eck decides in the first half he wants to throw the ball a little bit to get guys like Hayden Hatton some some catches he hasn't had as – and it doesn't have the all American level stats yet that you guys might assume that's because Anthony Woods is busy being an all American running back. And that has just changed the focus of what's going, what's going to happen offensively, but Idaho can truly do whatever they want because I've watched Jason neck teams a ton. I expect they're going to do a version of their, their version of Montana state, absolutely run down Cal Poly's throat and get a healthy margin. In the first half, where the Idaho's defense is not even doesn't even have to be on the field that much, and then we get to watch some of the freshmen play, guys like Jackson Eck, guys like Xray Alexander. Maybe I want to see some Jack Lane. Uh, that's that's to, to me what this game is. Dallas Idaho has asserted itself as a top five team, a, a true top five team. That look, if the playoffs started today, Idaho would have a seed unequivocally and a first round bye. Unequivocally, Cal Poly, if the NAIA playoffs started today, would probably not qualify. So that's the the gap in talent between these teams. I guess maybe this is the big thing for Idaho. Apologize apologize for filibuster, Dallas. This is a week Idaho might be able to focus on cleaning up any any facet of play they didn't like against Eastern Washington and uh, move on to next week.
0: Yeah, I mean the the, I, I'm in full agreement with that. You you definitely want to see Jack Lane. Uh, hopefully, the entire second half. Uh, honestly, I hope Anthony Woods doesn't play. I hope they just sit him. I don't think he needs to be out there. Um, obviously, if if they're shooting for let's let's get Anthony Woods some awards, then yeah, let's let's see him on those first few drives. Let him get a hundred yards in the first quarter and a half, and then sit him down. There's no reason to to blow a guy's legs out here against Cal Poly. Uh, but what, what I do want to see Brian, uh, you know, other than seeing all of the freshmen come in, I do want to see Giovanni McCoy rebound. Uh, obviously not a great weekend for him last weekend, eight of 18. Just didn't, didn't look like a a game that Giovanni McCoy was going to go out there and win by himself, which most games tend to look like. I want to see, I want to see that come back. Uh, obviously it should be a little bit different. Uh, Not playing in the wind of Cheney. It's going to be 90 degrees at kickoff in San Luis Obispo. Uh, See Hanson in the comments. Woods has looked dinged up. Hope they rest him. Like There's been a lot of talk about Woods being dinged up before the game, and obviously he plays and he's fine. But I do really want to see a lot of things get cleaned up, starting with, again, McCoy. Hopefully he gets back to just the efficient quarterback he typically is. I would expect nothing less. Uh, And then the tackling. that's That's got to be better. I don't know who... La Lakers the best or LA Lakers the best Um, saying my son changed my username and I pissed uh, Lakers please tell us who you were before your username has been changed we can use this game as tackling practice for the rest of the regular season that's what I want to see that was the biggest struggle of the defense and obviously again it comes from that Zach Borish style game where you prepare for a quarterback to run again one of the most high-flying offenses in the big sky completely pivoting to can't complete more than 50 percent of our passes we're going to run two quarterbacks and they're both just going to run all over the field. You're going to have some mistakes, but the tackling was absolutely an issue last week, Brian. And that's what I'm looking yeah. for is a little bit of that cleanup to happen. Then, and again, force turnovers Cal Poly is going to
1: give you chances uh, to, to force turnovers and Idaho just had, when they've had opportunities, especially in big sky play, like they just haven't been able to do that. Mike, <laughs> good Lord. I saw, sorry, I saw the comment that you were just referencing from the Lakers, the best it's Mike. Glad to have you here, Mike. I guess another way of saying this Dallas is look, Anthony was, has he's gained 593 net yards this season, 6.7 yards per carry, nine touchdowns. You are fine. If he stays around there and you'd like to see a healthy dose of George Robinson, especially in the second half. Uh, For me, I'm looking at the passing stats. Uh, Hayden Hatton has listed on the official side as 30, 30 catches for 369 yards and two touchdowns. I'd like Hatton to get to approach breaking the record. Um, I'd like to see, I wouldn't mind seeing Jermaine Jackson get a passing touchdown. His first, it'd be his first patchy, passing touchdown of the year. So uh, it's kind of nickel and dime things like that, that I guess I'd have my eye on. Um, stepping away for a moment. It's nice to be able to at least talk about a game like this, because for years, even while we had this show,
0: there were, there would have been other shows who would have talked about, about Idaho in this context. Brian. So, even the bowl year, Idaho almost lost to FCS Montana State. Like, there has not been a whole lot of times in the last thirty years that Idaho has been able to talk about. Hey, this is a game that is just put away win. Not to jump in on you there, but like no. this is a my entire life. This has been something that has eluded me, other than obviously the the vaunted rivals at Simon Fraser, rest in peace.
1: Exactly. Thank you for bringing up Simon Fraser. Obviously, Cal Poly is not that bad, uh, but. Sam, look, Sam here, as I brought early, brought up earlier, he does, he does have some talent. So it, it'd be, it'd be nice to see our DBs capitalize on some of the plays. They've been very close to making this entire season. I am ready to pick the score because I think every listener understands at this point, Idaho should win this by about as many points as they want to. If this game is close, it's a, a essentially a loss for Idaho. Even if Idaho wins, it would be the upset of the FCS season. For Idaho to lose this game, I don't, I'm not going to gamble. That's going to happen. Uh, Captain 58 said it in the comment section early in the show. Lamar right now in Sagarin sits at 223. We know Idaho outclassed Lamar when things were still coming together. The O line looks way better today than it did week one against Lamar. Well, today, Cal Poly's 227 in Sagarin. That's, that's the talent we're looking at. So I'm ready to move on, dude. I, I mean, I hate, I hate being this dis, um, disinterested or this disregarding of Paul Wolf's team because I, I do like Paul Wolf. I, I want him to do that well. I would like Cal Poly to be more than they are. But we, we've we seen half the season's gone. that Cal Poly is who we've seen so far. And what they are, as referenced earlier, is a team that's been outscored in 12 D1 quarters, 149 to 34. Yeah, they've
0: beat a D2 team and a team that lost to a D2 team. They are... For all intents and purposes, they are a D2 team. But Brian, before we get into picking the score, I have some words for the people. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandalone and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a middle day, a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon the main Salmon River of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can check out special trips like one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish the most remote stretches of river in the USA. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at hughesriver.com. Martin, we're going to you first. Score prediction. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, this gives me very similar Lamar vibes. I'm going to go a similar score and go Idaho 55 to 17. But those scores will be, I think will probably be all second teamers
1: like backups by the time Cal, if Cal Poly's is be then
0: right 54 to 7 Idaho so I'm going to go with a joke here because this is the only thing that's interesting to me about this game I'm going to go with Idaho 69 Cal Poly 7 and because that is again that is how to make this game interesting to me realistically guys this is this is going to be a bloodbath if you're looking for a Uh, an excuse to just sit on the couch and drink SRS whiskey and be very, very, very happy all weekend. This is the perfect game to sit down and just absolutely watch Idaho completely outclass their opponent. Uh, In the comment section, Jason Mayer, 63-9, 450 rushing yards for UI. Uh, Robert Rustabaki, I hope I got that right. I probably didn't. Idaho, 77, Cal Poly 3. Cap Dan, 58. Idaho, 55, Cal Poly 3. Like, this is... This is going to be rough, guys. This is going to be rough. But thankfully, maybe we're going the to item of intrigue. Martin, I'm uh, posting a link in the
1: private chat that you might want to throw up just for viewers for a second. Cal Poly's stadium does look pretty cool, and the game will be in the evening. So you might get like a shot of Memorial Field in San Luis Obispo looking, I don't know, looking nice. Cal Poly does not have close to the worst stadium in the league. That will only sustain you for about four seconds watching this game, but hey, like it's for viewers, you can see it on the on the live stream right now. I mean, Dallas, I, just rating the image we have on the screen right now to other FCS, other Big Sky stadiums. Where'd you put that?
0: I mean, the top half, easily, easily in the top half. It, it honestly, it's probably top five, maybe even in the top three. Like it is, it is very classy. Uh, what you would expect out of, again, Cal Poly. I have nothing to add. Fair enough. Guys, let's get into the other Big Sky games of the week. And this is uh, this is bye week for everybody. Uh, I know it's Idaho's joke bye week, but this is bye week for everybody. Only two games on the docket so far. So we're going to start with the most interesting, or at least uh, maybe the better football game first. Maybe not most interesting, but maybe the better football game. NAU at Weber State. Who I never Never thought I'd say, maybe the better football game has NAU of all teams in it. Any thoughts, Martin, on NAU Weber State? Uh,
1: I the Weber State. So Dallas, the question for this game is: How much do you believe in Chris Ball's last ten quarters? Uh, which, for the last ten quarters, NAU has they only have one win. But in the, those 10 quarters I'm talking about, they went from losing by a 1,000 to Utah Tech to only losing by two scores to Utah Tech. They beat Montana, a, a terrible offensive team in Montana that, that played in Flagstaff 28-14, and then took Sacramento State down to the wire. So that's, that's the last three games. If that was the only sample size we had for NAU. You, you might feel, I think it'd be reasonable to think this might be a top-of-the-half Big Sky team. But I've also seen Chris Ball's team for a long time. Um, I do. Weber State is reeling. They lost two weeks ago, 40 to zero, at hosting Montana State with the biggest Weber State crowd in a very long time. Um, Got to watch the Wildcats go down 40 to zero. But then last week, uh, Weber State needed a late pick six uh, to pull away 28 21 over Northern Colorado. So NAU is trending in the right direction. Weber State is trending in the wrong direction, but I don't want to overvalue that NAU only has one win right now. So as much as I hate to say this, and NAU is the only team I've really struggled to pick this year. I have three losses.
0: Two of them are NAU. I'm gonna go Weber State. Brian, I'm gonna have to go with Weber State as well. This is this is such a weird game to me for a lot of those reasons you explained. This is when you just when you look at the NAU schedule, they got crushed by Arizona, thirty eight to three. Again, that you'd expect that Pac twelve school. Uh, not everybody can hang with Pac twelve schools. Uh, then the loss to North Dakota again, it was number seventeen at the time. Uh, the loss to Utah Tech that first half they looked terrible. They've recovered. They have been that weird sneaky good all year long. But again, it's tough to trust them when you've seen what Chris Ball has done for so long. I Weber state, I think offensively could be the worst team in the big sky. they I, they just, they have nothing at the quarterback position right now. I know that they have, they have some freshmen that they're hoping are going to explode, but right now they struggle to move the ball, but I can't take NAU seriously until they win this game. If they, if they win this game, then I, I will believe in NAU moving forward, but until then, give me Weber. Yeah. Ky-
1: Kylan Weisler, through three picks against northern colorado last weekend. Weiser as far as like individual stats, that's Weber State's quarterback, if you guys are are not sure. Right now he is he is the number not number eight quarterback in the big sky on the season in yards yards per game at 151. But his passing percentage is 48.3% on the year. And if you've watched Weber State's He's not asked to do that much. Like Weber State doesn't throw a lot of bombs. Honestly, like when they run play action, they throw five yard dump off passes to tight ends. So I guess maybe the intrigue here is I'm not sold on the fact that Weiser even starts this week after what how bad he looked against Northern Colorado. But in spite of that, I I don't yet believe in NAU and I don't believe the Weber State of the last two weeks is who they truly are which is – that's why I'm trending to Weber. I just – I cannot believe that the talent has fallen off that far overall for Weber State in one year of mm-hmm. J. Hill
0: being gone. So I believe for the
1: last two weeks, we've just seen the worst we're going to see out of Weber State.
0: Yeah, and again, Mickey Mental had uh, a couple flashes last year. I mean, their offense was mostly inconsistent. Bronson Barron obviously moving on to the FBS. But you got to think offensive-minded head coach he's probably going to figure something else out. Again, like you said, Brian – Maybe Weissner doesn't even start. Maybe they do roll the dice to someone else. Maybe again you you take those mistakes that are gonna happen with the young guy and then you struggle things out. What about the goat? Uh you know, I do think they would kill for Jake Constantine right now because Kylan Weissner has not looked very good. I think that's enough about that one, guys. We've got Weber State. Oh, I think we're all all last on Weber State. variable
1: there. Weber State uh, last week, Chris Jackson came. Th- was it was his first game having extended carries at running back for Weber State? I don't know if he had injury issues, but uh, both Chris Jackson and Demon Banks and another the, who had been number one running back for Weber State, both those guys have had spurts where they look like all Big Sky level dudes. So uh, to me, that's the route for Weber State against a team like NAU, who again, even though they've looked optimistic last couple of years, last couple, just tries, last two and a half games,
0: I don't think they're good certainly not uh hit the comment section real quick nate mink saying some of our funnest games have been against nau shout out to mason petrino career game again down there at the uh the walk up skydome hashtag Uh, haters gonna hate there we go i was waiting for it uh nau rolling give me the jackson ot says captain 58 patty firks pat patty if i'm saying your last name wrong if it's frakes firks i'm i'm sorry i don't think i've ever asked uh I think Weber State still wins. Ugly game, though. Jason Mayer, Weber wins, but it's close. Lowney, Weber needs it more. Pretty split here in the comment section, guys. Uh, But let's move on to maybe a more interesting game, just in what the hell is this season meaning. Montana at UC Davis. Martin. This is probably the most interesting game this week, but we all know who I'm picking, UC Davis
1: this martin nailed it this is interesting it's interesting for two reasons on the uc davis end the aggies have not looked particularly great in any game this week sorry this year i mean i know i know they just beat cal poly 31 13 but even that is kind of a disappointing overall outing for the aggies that coming off of a close loss hosting Eastern Washington. We don't know the status of running back Land Larison. If he plays, uh, that that's going to mean something although backup Trent Tompkins was solid against Cal Poly as is every running back in the nation. But this is to me this this is maybe a show show it game for UC Davis against Montana. Uh, the the intrigue on the Montana end is last week in narrowly beating Idaho State. Montana looks like they finally figured out what they want to do offensively, which is start Clifton McDowell quarterback, go run heavy. And when he passes, it's mostly shorter, quick, quickly developing pass plays. The kind of thing, for some reason, they would not call for Sam Vidlack. I don't know why, but but Montana wouldn't. I don't feel particularly confident in Montana coming off, looking talent-wise like a perfect matchup for Idaho State. From what I watched in that game, Dallas, Idaho state and Montana looked like they should be playing each other and looked like they it should be a competitive game no matter who's hosting, which I'm not going to take as a ringing endorsement for Montana. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to go UC Davis who even in looking disappointing, they at least know what they want to do. If they want to go run heavy with Trent, Trent Tompkins or if land Larson's play, and that's what they're going to do. If they need to call a lot of short pass plays for miles Hastings, which is kind of where he's most comfortable and, and, Dan Hawkins is fine doing that if he needs to. I think uh, Hastings threw like almost 50 passes last week. Hastings is good enough to pick apart a not very good, a not that great for Montana's secondary. And just the front seven for Montana's not getting to quarterbacks like they have for the last few years. So with that said, I think UC Davis is the play here. It doesn't matter that it's at home. If this is where Wager is, I'd pick Davis too.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in agreement here with with both of you guys. I don't see anything about Montana this year that screams they can win this game. Uh, obviously, th- there's always a chance, but UC Davis has been obviously not what I think people expected. Uh, Miles Hastings in particular uh, was, again, an all Big side quarterback last year and has not been particularly good. He's turned the ball over a lot, six touchdowns, five interceptions this year. Uh, not anywhere near as efficient as he was last year, but when you look at UC Davis, it's tough to kind of tell what what they're really doing because, again, they, they crushed Cal Poly. They were close against Eastern, but they they just haven't had that spark yet that, again, we all thought they were going to be a playoff team. They were a fringe playoff team last year. They have looked like they're stuck in that gear of potentially playoff team but just not quite good enough. I just don't think, though, Brian, with all the weaknesses you pointed out about Montana, I just don't see them being able to, to beat – UC Davis in this uh, again, they almost lost to Idaho state last week, Idaho state. That was a single score game, eight points, 20, 20. Uh, they've lost to NAU. again. They almost lost to fair state. I know they're the D two national champions and they're certainly better than all of the bottom tier of the FCS, but there's, there's nothing about this Montana team that has truly said they can compete with a legitimate quality team. And I think, Everything can be stated just from Jason Mayer's comment. UC Davis wins, but Montana is ranked fifth in the coaching poll after this. I guess another way to talk about UC Davis for this
1: game, Dallas, is UC Davis has been confusing as to why they, they have not looked more impressive in some of their games and also like why they weren't able to beat. The Eastern Washington looks pretty good, but I, I think it is it is truly confusing why Davis wasn't able to pull that one away at home. I don't I think if you watch montana there isn't much to be confused about like they're just a they're an okay big sky team
0: I don't think I have anything else to add sorry couldn't find the unmute button yeah, I'm shocked you guys didn't jump in there on that one that one was quite a while
1: I don't, I don't know what to tell you dude other than we have to talk about tap to keg it's coming up October 13th, which is Friday before homecoming, October 14th. takes place 3.30, 7.30 at the Dan O'Brien Track and Field Complex. Thanks for getting that up, Martin. Early pricing is a thing of the past. Tickets are $40. Tickets are $40. But look, the, the event is in Idaho. It's Idaho's Oktoberfest. That's it. It's going to be Oktoberfest-inspired. Beers, seltzers, ciders, food. There's going to be live music. It was a kick-ass event last year. It's going to be a kick-ass event again. So if you're in Moscow or for homecoming, if you're in Moscow that Friday, because you are one of the people who bought got your hotel early, good Lord. I hope people already have their hotel. For tickets, go to go.uidaho.edu backslash tap the keg.
0: Brian, just hitting the comment section real quick. Uh, everybody in here is pretty much thinking you see Davis. Uh, I really don't have much else to say, guys. I mean, uh, I do like the Dallas and Hosen, Jason Mayer. Thank you for that. Um, guys, for Idaho this weekend, again, we're just, let's get out of there healthy. Let's clean up a little bit of stuff and hope to see a lot of those freshman kids. You know, we've, we've talked about Anthony Woods being injured. I'd love to see Day-Day Buchanan, Art Williams, Carlos Matheny. I'd love to see those freshman kids get, again, you get four games and you can still redshirt this year. This feels like a great game to get a bunch of guys, some reps going into next year when, there will inevitably be some more turnover.
1: Now, the the intrigue to me here on the Idaho end is the Vandals have four wins right now, four and one on the season. Three of those wins, as far as I understand, for playoff consideration would be considered good wins: Nevada, Sacramento State, and Eastern Washington. Last week, a fifth win this uh, picking up the fifth win this week with Montana at homecoming. Idaho could be looking at having at being six and one heading into a bye week before Montana state. I think that's, that's the focus that the coaching staff's going to have is, Hey, before it gets six and one get to five and one, but that's, that's more the energy I have for this game is Idaho. Idaho picks up the next two wins the rest of the season. We're not wondering about playoffs. We're talking about seeding. We're talking about, can Idaho play their way into a first round bye. So that's, that to me is more what, what this week is about is taking care of business and continuing that march on to, it's not just seven, it's not just hoping for seven wins and then sneaking in Dallas. It's how close to, can, can Idaho get nine, 10 wins? We'll see. Uh, but they should certainly pick up one more check mark on their way to that total this week.
0: Yeah, Brian, that's, I mean, realistically, guys, let's, let's celebrate Idaho gets an easy win. And, and there's not a whole lot of times we've gotten to say that over the last few years. But before we go, I'm going to tell you about our final sponsor, I guess. Uh, more of a friend of ours. Anyways, walkon-apparel.com. You guys have seen probably our Twitter posts about it, Walk On Apparel. They've got some really awesome Idaho gear. And because Vandal fans have been doing such a fantastic job of letting Walk On Apparel know they love the stuff, they've got new product out. If you're watching online on YouTube, there's an, a schoolhouse rock with Joe Vandal leaning against uh, the lettering of I-D-A-H-O idaho idaho go 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 it's absolutely awesome i think it's the coolest shirt they've designed yet they will keep designing as long as vandals keep buying so for our listeners they have provided us the the discount code tubs just t-u-b-s you get 15 percent off of your order go ahead tubs on walkon-apparel.com yeah, capital to UBS and what other thing walk-on does is different from other
1: other apparel companies is 10% of all proceeds are going to go back to the University of Idaho athletic department. so you you can support a small business who's doing some kickass work in walk-on and also you' you're supporting University of Idaho athletic department so uh, you can't really go wrong and guys uh, the better that Idaho stuff sells, the more walk-on focuses on Idaho that's the entire reason why the Idaho collection is already expanded
0: With that guys. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? The only real thing I got is just buy your tickets for homecoming next week is going to be fun.
1: Well, I want to hit Jason Maris saying Joe skipped leg day uh, in relative to the, the design, which I actually really like that. I really love the schoolhouse rock design of Joe Vandal, but you're hundred percent right. That is a leg day free Joe Vandal.
0: It's pretty, uh, pretty sad. The, the top half looks great, but uh, Joe, yeah, missing leg day every year. Okay, for hey, Dallas, for 10 seconds, I don't want
1: to hit on like the, the dumbest incarnation of this that exists online, but how are you enjoying Idaho kicking ass and Boise State? Boise State's lost.
0: This is, I honestly, guys, this is the best time to be an Idaho fan. I know that it's unfortunate that. Idaho's in the FCS, and there's a lot of people that hate that. But guys, right now, Idaho is certainly the best team in the state. Unfortunately, there's not going to be a chance to play that game for quite a while, but revel in this while you can. Boise State looks lost. This could be the pivot. There was always going to be a time where Boise State was going to come back to earth, and it's happened so slowly that it's been kind of painful for those of us that just despise everything about them. But this is the pivot point right here. If avalos keeps going and they don't i don't think they have the money to get out of that contract particularly easily guys we could see boise state crater into a three-win football team in the next few years the we are on the cusp of seeing everything collapse in the center of the universe and nothing would make me happier outside of a vandal national football championship yeah,
1: we also have Nick Weber saying what are the Duster's picks this week. The Duster went with – it just did the strict power ranking matchups, which were my picks. Weber over NAU, Idaho over Cal Poly, UC Davis over Montana.
0: There we go. Uh, Jason Mayer saying bigger bigger death spiral, Montana or Boise Junior College.
1: Oh, well, that's not oh, close. That's Boise. It's Boise.
0: It's certainly Boise. Yeah, those, those people are having a meltdown
1: no no well bobby hauck's contract is up at the end of the year so like they they don't have to fire him bobby hauck can also pretend if he's not offered a contract that he's choosing to retire for two months until he gets you know he'll he'll get a job as a coordinator if he wants to somewhere else he is still well respected but that's easy montana montana sees where the light at the end of the tunnel is they just need to accept where they are and get a better coach and Hopefully they don't call any coordinators employed in Moscow. Hopefully they don't give Bo Baldwin as our Bo Baldwin Stan uh, Dallas hammer would say, Mm -hmm. hopefully Montana doesn't give Bo Baldwin his last last shot. And uh, I don't know, maybe hopefully they look into the past, but that's that Jason. That's the answer for Montana is Montana knows get through this year. He, they still sold 26,000 tickets to the Idaho state game. So, like some things are still going okay. They're they're not losing their enthusiasm. Somehow, they're they're not losing enthusiasm this year. So they see where the turnaround is. Boise State's the other way. Like Dallas said, Avalos, Avalos is brought is there as long as Avalos wants to be. And I think the jury's in the, that uh, Boise State whiffed. They should have gone with Jeff Chote.
0: Should have gone with Chote Menem. Absolutely. Uh, Guys, I I, I mean, I know that Kellen Moore was in the finals for that position uh, back when it happened, and there's a chance that if the Chargers have another Chargers meltdown that he's open, maybe they try to make something happen with him if he gets fired. But it really looks like, unless they get some sort of random Hail Mary where they get a bunch of donations coming in, it's not happening. Uh, The comment section exploding about uh, the BSU gear is just starting to disappear. Yeah, because... Again, we it's been a very low crawl, but that program is slowly crawling back to reality. And so one last other shit
1: on Boise State before we we call it a day. It feels like it would be a vintage BSU thing to say, what do we need to turn around this program? Someone who has never coached or recruited college before. Yep. I'm 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 not saying that Kellen Moore wouldn't be a good hire at some places, but I think if Boise State was smart, they would look for a template like Jason Eck of a guy who's been successful around this level and say, if we want it, we need to become good before we can go for the sexy hire. And I don't think
0: they're smart enough to do that. I got to be honest. You lost me when you said Boise State and smart. Those two things don't exist in the same sentence. So I don't see them going for a Jason Eck because again, what do you do? You don't have the money to fire the guy. So the only thing you can hope for is luring Peterson out of Fox or Kellen Moore out of the NFL and hoping that a bunch of people donate because it reminds them of good days and the you hope that those Walmart fans kick in an extra 5 every couple of days like that's that's what you hope for.
1: So on the Montana hand
0: and see
1: Hansen in the comments section saying wasn't Ferris State's coach openly auditioning for the Montana job at the press conference Montana will always get their pick of coaches. The hope is that the decision making at Montana will t- will take them the wrong way. Like Bobby Hauck, we've we've gone on quite a bit about Bobby Hauck having a historically successful run at Montana prior, and he started out real, relatively well at Montana too. But I think the jury's in. The fan base was the tail wagging the dog in saying the the keys to our success in the future are in the past. You would have to hope Montana does something like that one more time.
0: Yeah, I uh, to put to put a bow on this, guys. Montana's always going to be able to pick whatever coach they want. See Hanson saying wasn't Ferris's coach openly auditioning for that job in their press conference. Montana's always going to get the pick. Montana's got a fan base that will find ways to get coaches in if they make that kind of mistake. They don't have to because, again, it's the final year of his contract, but they have the resources to keep being a top school at that level. So, bigger death spiral. To finally put an end on that question, Boise all the way. With that, guys... Idaho's going to win. It's chaos in Boise. It's never been a better time to be a Vandal fan if you're a millennial. Uh... Go Go Vandals. Vandals. Go Vandals. There's
1: there's Martin doing the producer, Brian. I'm hunting through the background (laughs) to find the right video. Martin, are